Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I am your host and coach, Tyler Johnson. Thank you for tuning in. And whether you've tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you're in the right place. My guest this episode is a former Division I basketball player, now a mental performance consultant, and the director of mental performance for Game Changer Athletes, as well as her consulting company, Goat Mentality. You can find her on social media linked up here. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, Bianca Latham. How you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? I am well. Thank you for joining us. Excited to have you join. I guess to start, uh, love just to learn a little bit more about you and what led you into mental performance work that you do now. Yeah. So um, I'll go with the short story. The short story is my mother uh, was in psychology. She's in the field of psychology. So growing up, she used to like do assessments and stuff on me. <laughs> So it was always something that I was intrigued by was the field of psychology. Um, but I also love sports. And so I, uh, surprisingly, um, in the seventh grade, I was like, this is the career I'm going to go towards. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, that's that's what kind of started it. Um, but after um, going to college and playing sports myself, I was a division one athlete, also played professional. So I have like that background of like knowing like what it took as an athlete to play in an elite level and then um, navigating my yeah. own mental hurdles. It even, uh, even more propelled me to join the field. For sure. I think uh, my student athlete struggles uh, have a lot of reflections, but as you, as you look upon on, you know, that student athlete experience, what were some of the mental skills that maybe you, you know, that time helped you forge or develop um, that, that you really kind of reflect upon? Yeah. So um, obviously I had no idea that I was using mental skills at the time, um, but sure. visualization was really key for me. Um, that was something that uh, when I was in high school, the entire team did it. We we didn't really. Yeah. Again, I didn't know I was using visualization, but we we would hype ourselves up um, as a way to get us motivated, but then calm ourselves down. Yeah. And um, I didn't realize I was doing like my own little breathing work, but I was doing some breath work, but also visualizing, um, what success looked like. And then also I tore my ACL my junior year. Mm. And so I used a lot of mental skills to help me like recover and come back. Um, yeah. especially to overcome my personal fears of like re-injuring. And so, um, yeah, using some positive self-talk and visualizing again. Um, uh, so yeah. Talk about, um, like you brought up the mental skills with the injury, because I think you know, we're finding out in research that how the mental skills can accelerate our rehab. Um, mm -hmm. Can you talk about some of the things that you maybe did visualizing that that maybe helped you in that process? Because when I was in rehab and I know other athletes, it kind of is a bummer. <laughs> uh, yeah. you, you're, you're losing some of your daily routine. Um, but what were some of the mental skills that that helped you in recovery? So again, I'm going to go back to visualization and I, and I will say goal set goal setting. I know it seems like simple and like, it's not a mental skill, but like having a goal to work towards really like helped me, I don't know, focus on that versus where I was at. I was focusing on where I wanted to be. Um, and then visualizing like how I would move 
when I came back, like mm -hmm. how I wanted to move, um, I, I that really, yeah, that really assisted me as well. Yeah, I love it. You can talk about visualization all you want. We love it on this. <laughs> so um, I think I was the same as an athlete. I was doing some of it, but I didn't really know how. I didn't know, yeah. you know, how to kind of, you know, use my senses and tap into all the things that kind of help us in that process. Yeah. Uh, on the flip side, when athletes are kind of, you know, for me, it was, I think, kind of the first little like touch of maybe oh that's what depression is when i was away from my teammates i was not 100 percent, and walking to class was slow and those kind of things what can athletes or teammates do to kind of help other athletes that are kind of going through that that rehab process because we usually all have one or a couple on our team that are going through that yeah so definitely i would say check in with them um ask them about their goals and how they can support them in their recovery um, and still incorporate them in team activities. Hey, the team is doing this. Hey, you know, what's the practice that you'll be at? We need help with this. Helping them uh, define like a new role um, while still participating in the team, especially if it's like a season ending injury. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then also while they're on the bench, engage with them. What are you seeing that we don't see? Um, you know, like different things like that to to still make sure that they're part of the team. Um, and yeah, so. I like that asking, you know, asking to get some feedback from them, right? And to get a new yeah. vantage point. Um, you brought up goal setting. It was one of the things I wanted to ask you about. I think that injury process rehab is slow and tedious, but uh, for me, it taught you to kind of think small. I could only, what can I do by Friday? What can I do by next Friday? Um, what do you see some athletes get wrong about goal setting and how can they be better at it? Um, definitely whether it's injury or just a goal in general, they think of like outcome goal, like, Oh, I want to win the championship. And they're not really thinking of the process goal. Uh, here's what it's going to take for me to get that, uh, the actions specifically. I know, um, well, I shouldn't say I know a lot of people are familiar with SMART goals, um, specific, measurable. I know a lot of people say attainable. I say action oriented um, and then realistic and time bound. Uh, but that action part, that's the part that a lot of athletes are missing is what action is it going to take for me to successfully accomplish this goal? And how can I incorporate that action to make it a habit yeah. um, and part of my routine? So, yeah. I like the, I'm big on the measurement part. Like, you know, yeah. I think, and I think there's uh when you measure, it gives you something also to reflect on. Mm -hmm. uh, and I yeah. think, you know, whether it's rehab or just your growth and development, like, Oh, like that's how far I came since I was a sophomore. Um, yeah. It is where do you like to bring in or, or maybe something you did as an athlete or with your, your people you work with uh, journaling? How do you feel the, where do you feel about journaling and its effectiveness to be an outlet for athletes? So I'll be very candid. My, um, I, when I was in college, one of my coaches, she told us during the summer, she wanted us to journal. I never did it. <laughs> I wish I did because now I use it, um, in my daily life to journal. Um, and I do recommend it to my athletes, especially, um, I, I have this kind of, uh, I, I recent or I shouldn't say recently, but I posted on social media, like, you know, the jumbo when it's up here, you can put it on a piece of paper and then you have a clear mind. And so um, I, I definitely recommend just journaling to like get your thoughts out, um, but also to be able to reflect on and to look back to say, oh, this is what I was thinking when I was resilient and I'm not thinking that anymore. Or um, 
this was just completely incoherent. I don't know what I was thinking when I was upset about this. And now that I'm thinking with a clear mind, I can see like, here's where I was wrong. Um, and here, here's how I can make improvement and, and move forward. So um, I, I use it in my daily life and I wish I used it as an athlete and I do recommend it to my athletes, essentially. That's me, my me too. I think <laughs> um, when I ask athletes too, I think they get told or graded or judged on their English writing skills. Mm -hmm. That becomes like this little like barrier to doing it because, and it's like, well, they don't have to grade it. They don't have to judge it. That's the best part. <laughs> um, but I think that was yeah. the thing for me. I felt like I was never told you're not good at writing. You're not good at English. So I was like, well, why would I do spend time doing that? But um, is there any kind of like patterns or reflections or little things that you like to bring in your journaling or that maybe through time have been kind of effective tools? So there's not any one particular question that um, I know sometimes I, I what I say is like, what is on your mind that you can't let go? Mm -hmm. Throw that onto the piece of paper. Um, what's something that went well? Uh, I, I'll have people journal, my perfectionists who are like constantly thinking of everything they did wrong. I want you to journal everything that, that went well. Um, what is it that you want to see in the future? You know, talk to your future self and journal, journal to that person. Um, I've had, uh, there's, there's a lot, I have kind of random prompts. I have pr a list of prompts that are not in my face, but I, I do usually pose a question or I'll just say, this is a, like a mind dump, whatever comes to your mind, that is exactly what you're writing. It, if it's random, it doesn't matter. Just throw it on the paper. Yeah. I think one of our other guests, she called it, uh, raw unfiltered thoughts. Just, bleh. Just, yeah <laughs> just, just call it write a rut she calls it right write a rut. Yeah. okay never heard that. Raw, I like that. that same thing you're talking about right yeah um is there um we just i saw you smile when we just talked about kind of the rut and the mental skills and teaching yeah no, um, I, I like that uh, writing rut kind what, of uh, what else what brings you joy in, in helping people with mental skills and performance what brings you most joy um uh, I think what brings me the most joy, I'll say, is like seeing an athlete like overcome and like use whatever mental skill to like overcome a hurdle and become that best version of themselves. Um, that that for me is one of the most things that I enjoy uh, <laughs> or receive gratification from. Um, but just in skill in general with mental skills, I, I just enjoy the interactions of working with athletes. I really um, coaching is is something that I would enjoy doing, but I just don't have the availability to be in the gym all the time. And this was like that happy medium to where I'm in the gym with them, but I'm not like fully, you know, submerged, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, with the athletes, but yeah. Yeah. The X's and O's, you know, I want to yeah. deal with the people. <laughs> um, was there, uh, you know, you talked about overcoming your injury, but was there something else during your career uh, as an athlete that you're proud of that you overcame or adversities that looking back, they kind of stunk, but you're glad they were there. Hmm. I'm trying to think besides my ACL, something that stunk. Um, I mean, I had some situations that stunk that I just, uh, it took me a long time to get over. Um, but Hmm. Let's let's circle back to that question. Yeah, no, so you're, you're good. You're good. Um, I think another big thing, you know, that we always like to talk about is 
the importance of our belief, our self-efficacy and, and our, our belief in ourselves. Um, how do you see that as, as a role in an athlete and how can athletes that maybe don't feel confident or feel that belief help themselves cultivate or build it? So yeah, confidence is definitely something that I, I've been in, encountering with athletes a lot, like struggling with it. And I think one of the first things that I tell them is um, like, it's not uh, a linear where, uh, you know, confidence is always supposed to be high. It is a roller coaster and it goes up, it goes down, it goes up and goes down. But um, one of the things that I tell them is what in your habits, like what in your routine are you doing to consistently boost your confidence? Because confidence is just like a muscle, in my opinion. It's like, if you do one push up, I know you're not expecting to be like, oh, I got physically stronger, right? When you're in the weight room or when you're doing conditioning, it's something that you, it's part of your routine. It's something that you're consistently doing. And so what, figuring out what is it that brings me confidence? And then how am I incorporating that into my daily or weekly routine so that I can maintain confidence? And then again, understanding that it's a roller coaster. And instead of looking at a roller coaster as something negative, I mean, we get on roller coasters and we have fun. So how can you have fun with the highs and the lows and learning from it? So, yeah. Yep. Someone once said that uh, the, uh, when that confidence, we've all probably been not confident and played okay. Mm-hmm. Right. And we probably felt yeah. confident and not played well. Yeah. But, and I think sometimes that, uh, you know, making sure we have those juxtapositions and like you said, routine. And I think um, I deal with a lot of football players. So when we talk self-talk, you get a lot of eye rolls right away. Yeah. But um, once you kind of utilize and tap into that mantra, self-talk power, um, are there ways that you like to to coach it or help people identify on how it's going to be effective for them? Because it does have a, a personification to it, I think. Yeah. So um, sometimes when I'm introducing it, I'll use it more like affirmations where I'll say, so what's the affirmation that you can say to yourself? Or I, I may pose it as to what's a reoccurring thought that you have? How can we challenge it? And or what's a positive one that came to your mind when you were performing well? How can you continue? How can you incorporate that into your routine so you continuously do that uh, or say that? I mean, so, um, yeah, those are some of the ways that I do that. If I gave you a, a magic wand and you could, those gyms and those coaches we were around you, we were talking about, if I gave you a magic wand, you could wave it and change one thing about uh, the way coaches coach athletes. What would it be? Mm. <laughs> there's a lot. Um, it's your magic wand. I... So if there's more than one, it's okay. <laughs> so I think one of the main things that I would, I would like them to change is to stop comparing um, how things were in the past to how they are now. Um, uh, one of the things that I tell a lot of coaches is really it's a reflection of you and your ability to evolve. Um, the way that you coached back then is not the way it is now. So how are you going to make the adjustment so that you can pull out the best out of these athletes instead of, you know, they're just, they just don't make them like they used to anymore. Y'all are, you know, uh, mental marshmallows or, you know, whatever that, whatever the case yeah, is. Yeah. Um, and I think the other, the second thing I would say is um, sending athletes to me once things have broken down um, and treating, you know, uh, treating mental skills like it's negative uh, or like something's wrong with you instead right. of just incorporating it into like 
the routine or uh, boosting it up the same way you do conditioning or, um, uh, you know, physical training. Um, so yeah. And I think it's interesting the people I've interviewed at schools or places that have a, a wealth of resources and mental training is one of the just parts of the routine. That's the athletes. It's just, I went to mental training. I went to practice. I went to rehab. Yeah. It's, just, it's part of what they do and what, you know, some places they're trying to cultivate. Um, but yeah. There's obviously, there's also, you know, let's acknowledge that gap, right? There's, there's a, there's a big, I think, gap in just psychological resources in our country. Yeah. Um, and then uh, access to them. And then, uh, you know, in sports, I, I think you kind of brought, you know, there's this element of, Stigma. well, if I go talk to them, you know, I'm damaged goods as an athlete once had told mm-hmm. me, you know, and it's just like, it might just be like a little sprain <laughs> and not, not a, a require surgery. But um, how do you see, or some ways that we can kind of close that kind of gap of psychological resources in sport, in the country, wherever you want to go? Um, how can we close the gap on resources? One, I, I definitely think training, um, people because I, there are, uh, I feel as though it could be beneficial to have coaches have that training, um, so that they can just incorporate it into their routines because they're mm-hmm. underfunded, but here are some things that you can use. Um, definitely making it a priority to, uh, I, I know mental health is becoming more of a pro- priority. Um, but sometimes when you use a mental skills coach, we could be that buffer, um, to recognize, um, when they need assistance and also just help them alleviate it faster before it gets to, you know, depression or whatever, something uh, severe, uh, cases. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's what I would say as, but, but it has to be valued from the top down because if, if, you know, the higher up administrations aren't funding it or they don't care about it, or even the coaches, if it doesn't matter to the coaches, it's not going to matter to the players. So, um, so yeah. Don't you think, yeah, that coach buy-in is critical. I think we've met a lot of people where they're almost contradicting the person that they've brought in to help their team. Uh, yeah. You know, and so it has to be a, I think a collaborative uh, system. Um mm-hmm. Flashing back, if you were to uh, get in a time machine and go visit 16 years. Before this question, I want to ask your mom's experiments at home. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you remember any of them? Is, um, is there any, any like silly one that you're like, oh, I actually use that today? <laughs> so I wouldn't say that there's one that I use today, an assessment. Um, but I one of the, the most vivid ones that I have was where she would put up two different and I can't I can't think of the name of the assessment off the top of my head right now but she would put up uh she would show two different you know it'd be the same image but something would be missing from the other and I would have to identify what it was and I remember being like I gotta get this right I gotta get this right you know but I'd get it wrong she'd be like you don't notice anything and I say no they're the same and then she'd be like oh it's missing eyebrows and I'd be like ah you know, um, but I was a kid and it, it just, it helped me become a little more aware of things as well. But that was, for me, it was just like a game um, doing that yeah. particular assessment uh, yeah. at such a young age. So, yeah. Yeah. I remember looking, I was never really good at those pictures. You know, fi- <laughs> finding Waldo wasn't good at that. <laughs> I don't yeah. know, you know, um, but uh, 
the question that I wanted to close this out with, um, if you could get in a time machine um, with the things you've, you've learned along your journey and experiences, uh, if you could go see 16-year-old you and give yourself some advice, what would you want to go tell 16-year-old um, self? Hmm. 16 year old self was when I tore my ACL. Mm -hmm. um, hmm. It's a good question. There's probably a lot that I would say. One, go see a sports psychologist. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't wait until you, you want to do it as a profession. Go see one. Um, and I think uh, the second would be um, like, don't be afraid to fail. Mm. Like failure is good. Um, you learn, you grow, and every failure um, makes you better um, and stronger. And so that that would be that would be one thing that I would tell my younger self. So the adversity we mentioned it before, but coming back to you know the adversity and the struggles that we go through that kind of create our strength. Looking back, um, are there some of those kind of struggles that you reflect upon that you're glad are there were there? Yeah. So. Um, one, uh, now all of these definitely relate to sports. Um, and I'll say twofold, I'll say, or maybe three, this all happened in college. Um, so I went from losing 11 games in my entire high school career, uh, to being 500 and then winning only seven games. And so that was very difficult for me, um, to navigate, but I, I, today I'm so thankful for it because it, it did help me um, become resilient and still focus and push through and work hard. Um, and then I also was navigating, um, uh, you know, coaches that weren't as supportive mm -hmm. and, um, I didn't quit and I, I have nothing against these athletes who are transferring now. I would have did it in a heartbeat if I had the opportunity, but, um, I gutted it out and was able to just stay there for four years and then transition to a new coaching staff, um, and, and be um, kind of renewed in my spirit to, to still love the game uh, of basketball that I was playing. And so um, it, it was a challenging time, but I, I, I wouldn't trade it. So it was, it, it, it's helped me to this day. So, yeah. That's great. Um, that was great to hear. Now let's talk about GOAT, G-O-A-T mentality. It's on your Instagram. It's linked up in the show notes. Go, go follow. Um, but what does G-O-A-T, GOAT mentality, mean to you? Yeah, so GOAT mentality, when I was um, coming up with like a business model of what I wanted the name to be, and I came up with all these other names that were already taken, um, and I was thinking like, well, when, when I think about mental skills, what is it, you know, and I feel like it's some of the greatest of all time have these type of mentality and they use mental skills. Mm -hmm. And so um, I did create an acronym for GOAT. Um, which is growth mindset, which is, I notice all the goats have it. They're constantly thinking, how can I grow? How can I evolve? What can I do better? Um, so the G is for growth mindset. Uh, the O is for overcoming obstacles. Um, and then also just looking at things from what's, the, what is my opportunity here? Um, when challenges come up, they're not running away. They're looking at what's the opportunity. Um, and, sin, and then the A is uh, to adapt and be able to adjust. Um, I notice the goats, that's, that's what they do. And, and that's something that mental skills, you know, is it's required. You have to have the, that ability to, to adjust and make a, and adapt to different situations. And then the T 
for trust in the process. Um, uh, yeah, the T is for trust in the process. And um, I, 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 the quote that I love to say is, the day you plant the seed, it's not the day you, you eat the fruit. And so you got to trust the process. You have to just continue to put in the work, continue to um, grow and evolve and, and trust that you're going to reap the the fruits of uh, the benefits of that fruit. So, um, yeah, that's that's what GOAT kind of means and having that mentality and, um, yeah, using mental skills so that you can become not only like the GOAT in your perspective sport, but like the best person and best version of yourself that you can be. Um, so a goat for yourself, you know, for me, it's Bianca 5.0, 6.0. How can I just continue to become that better version of myself? So that's what a uh, goat mentality is. Um, um.